Welcome to Getting Heated, the place to debate and discuss all things surf-related. It's on today. The Boost Mobile Margaret River Pro has been a highlight reel for the ages, but who is really stealing the show? The underdogs or the mainstays? And the debate is on for the most exciting 10-point ride at main break, John John vs. Kelly. Plus, who's winning the showdown of Goofy vs. Regular at the Boost Mobile Margaret River Pro? Finally, in some locations, it's all about the equipment, but does a bigger quiver equal better results? Now, with a combined 28 years on the championship tour, here's Mick Fanning and Ross Williams. Okay, Mick, we're back. It's just us, it's two week, no Coco. Mate, have you brushed your teeth lately? I feel like Coco thinks we've got bad breath or something. She never wants to show up. <laughs> That's the beauty of uh, online. You can't smell my breath through the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mine's probably just as bad. Nick, I got to ask you, um, we had a huge swell. Uh, did Margaret River, in your eyes, redeem itself? A little bit here and there. Uh, some of the performances uh, really got me inspired, uh, but still that end section uh, and a few different sections on the wave just still frustrates the hell out of me. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. We got some good topics. Who is stealing the show at the Boost Mobile Margaret River Pro? The mainstays or the dark horses? Okay, this was this is a really fun topic, I think, for both of us because there's been awesome performances by both dark horses and our main horses. So uh, for this argument, Mick, I'm going to side with the favorites um, just because we have a huge chunk of them. Uh, like the whole upper echelon of the ratings is still going in the event. We got Gabriel, who's doing his thing. We have Italo, who I was personally really interested to see if he could um, sort of switch gears from aerial surfing to Margaret River surfing. And he's done that really well. Um, and then of course, John John doing his thing like he always does, um, sort of stealing the show with the best carves and even throwing in a crazy barrel. And then on the women's side, I was really impressed with Stephanie Gilmore. I thought she looked great to me. Her board looked a little long on a, in a small wave heat, but um, I thought she was just beautiful surfing as usual. And then Carissa, I, I mean, she's gonna be tough to beat. Um, she's just got that strong forehand carve that's uh, you know almost unmatchable. So the mainstays were looking really solid so far. They were, they were. Uh, I think that's something that we come to expect from them the mainstays these days. Uh, but my favorites, I'm gonna start with uh, Ryan Callanan. Uh, that one wave that was a 10, that last turn was so big on the biggest section. Uh, if he didn't make that, he would have been waking up extra sore the next day. So uh, big props to him. Another big props to Griffin Colapinto. Griffin, he's looked solid. He's attacked every section that he's seen. He's uh, Looks looks sharp. One for the old boys, uh, Jeremy Flores. I think that heat with Jack Robbo, that's up there for heat of the year so far. How clutch was it with that last nine point ride to uh, just smash those two sections? Someone, I'm gonna go on forever, mate. <laughs> but, uh, keep going, keep going, I like uh, it. Someone who I felt like people haven't really seen him this year. Uh, people probably thought that uh, he hasn't had a great start to the year is Matt McGilvray. I felt like on that big day, he he went for it. Uh, I don't think people know that 
Um, even though Matt McGillray is probably the, the nicest guy on tour, he's an underground psychopath. He's a base jumper. And so when he gets into these conditions, like he, he just went on a closeout just so he could get a free fall drop. I think he was missing some base jumping. So uh, I felt like he looked extremely strong. My last one is Bronte McCauley. That was a great heat against Carolyn. You know, when you're coming up against those big numbers or the, the big names, when they start off with such a strong ride, I feel like the younger girls and guys or the people that are down the ratings a little bit more, they sort of fall away really quick. Bronte just got stronger. She was like, she was up for the fight. She really delivered. So big props to Bronte. Yeah. Are you done? I've got six more. No, I'm joking. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I want to jump on the bandwagon, but I will say just to protect sort of my, my pick with uh, mainstays, we're going to get to the pointy end of the event, and that's when we're going to see these top seeds sort of pick apart these lower seeds, or at least I think they will. So, um, you know, John is just too strong out there. I think he's going to march through the event. One girl we haven't mentioned yet, um, who maybe I'm a little bit biased because I work with her, but who has been putting together some uh, some awesome rides and scores in this event is Tati on her backhand. We're going to get into that later in the show with the goofies and the regulars, but. Yeah, she's been looking sharp, but um, again, I kind of think Carissa, she's just, she's so consistent out there. So as far as the mainstays, I think they're gonna um, right the ship and, uh, and show these, uh, these underdogs who's boss. Yeah, we might have to put a carton of beer on this one. It'll be good. <laughs> when we return, the debate is on for the most exciting 10-point ride at Mainbreak. Plus, Who's winning the showdown of Goofyverse regular at the Boost Mobile Margaret River Pro? We'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Main break is lighting up. Kelly Slater taking off, pulling into the barrel. He's going to find his way out. And a huge frontside arc. <laughs> easy 10-point ride. That's the easiest 10 the judges have ever dropped. As we see Sebastian Zietz locked in so deep. Oh, 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 he's, he's still there. He's, he's still there. Oh, wow. my God. Oh, my God. That was a special 10. We'll take a 10 any day. So. <laughs> Here goes Owen on another big bomb. He is locked in and finds his way out. The scores are dropping. It's our second 10 for the year. Meanwhile, out the back, big old takeoff. This is John Florence. He wants to get barreled, folks. He is. He's looking for an exit. Where is he? 
Here he is! Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, John, my John God. Lawrence. John John is a wizard. And he's done it again at Margaret River. Man, that was pretty sick. That's a lot of uh, amazing 10-point rides. And uh, I don't know, your pick of Seabass isn't a few episodes ago. That's still holding pretty strong, isn't it? It is. It, it was a dream wave. But uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, more 10s. First one of the season so far. So uh, excited to dive into this. Let's do it. John John Florence versus Kelly Slater's 10-point ride at main break. Which one provided the most excitement? Which one provided the most excitement? I'm going to have to go with John on this one. Uh, I felt like his tube was a lot more technical. He had to get super high in the barrel. He covered a huge distance. I saw Taj post a story of John and I was like, was that the best way to ever to come through main break? And uh, Taj just wrote back, he's a wizard. I feel like Kelly's one was just dreamy. It was one of those waves that you would draw in your school book and it was, you know, he'd not a touch of water out of place, but I just thought on the technical side, John's was uh, just that little bit better. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's what's cool about this this uh, sort of scenario is um, they are two extremely different tents. And I guess that's a microcosm of what Margaret River is. You know, it's a bit skitzy like that. It provides so much different platforms and wind and size and as you mentioned kelly's was such a, a way more of a dreamy wave but if you you know look at the two man that's the wave you want to surf and for that to be at main break makes it even more of sort of an anomaly because uh you know main break gets kind of hollow and it has a bit of a wedge to it but that wave that kelly had looked like backdoor or something it just looked like uh, you know way too hollow and perfect for main break so yeah that's that's the wave i want to surf <laughs> you can surf it, I'll sit on the beach. <laughs> we talk about you know, Kelly and, and John's perfect tens. Two waves that I thought should have been tens that aren't in this reel. Idolo's first ever wave at the box was just incredible. And then Arkow's wave just from the other day. I felt like those two waves were tens and uh, the boys sort of almost got robbed there. You know, I will say this is also, if you think about it, we just watched that highlight reel, Nick. Um, of all those tens, and then you throw in those two rides that could have been tens. I just can't help but to think, you know, this wave that you that you loathe so much produces a lot of highlights. One was at the box, the other one was at North Point. <laughs> Fair enough. Still not serving at Ross, I'll caddy for you. <laughs> Goofy versus regular. Who's winning the battle at Margaret River? This is a bit of a cliche, Mick. We kind of hear this almost every single event in the commentary. At Margaret River, this has been a real, it's come to light for sure. Um, you have Arcal's near 10, which is sort of the epitome of amazing backside surfing. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. And we've been, everyone's been blowing Ryan up this whole year because he's just been ripping. But I'm gonna stick with my regular footers. And I think it's just because to me, to do a really strong, committed high risk high scoring carve on your forehand is in my eyes a lot harder to do than a backside hook backside hook you really need to have like this critical gnarly section for to make it super super exciting everyone loves a backside snap it you know you, you go 12 o'clock you throw a spray it gets scored all day long but you know the history books are getting burned with john john's carves and, and even carissa's carves and steps so 
um, if I, you know, push comes to shove, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that type of surfing out there. Yeah, look, it's hard to uh, defer to the goofies, but I feel like they're doing good this event. I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about how natural photos used to be so dominant on tour and that's getting burnt. Those history books are getting burnt with Gabe and Italo. I feel like in this event, the goofies that have progressed on have been so solid. You know, Arkow has gone off, uh, I think, two 16-point heats. Gabe and... Italo are running 15 point heats and and that's hard that's hard to uh, do out at main break that as I've talked about before it's not a super steep phase to actually go up and square up so I feel like we're gonna throw Bronte and and um, Carolyn in there and Taddy as well I feel like they're across the board they've just been extra solid there they haven't gone and done anything crazy yet except our cow with that one turn but yeah the waves that they put together just very very strong and very workmanlike which is something that i want to see from the goofies and uh step it up but, but you know once again i'm um yeah both surfing i'm really enjoying i know you're loyal you're you're a loyal regular foot you don't have to explain to me nick <laughs> Doing but, it for the company, mate. Doing it yeah. for the company. <laughs> I, I will say there, there's some nuance there, right? There, there's room to to talk about it because, um, and, or, or sort of analyze because, not every goofy foot wave is the same. Not every regular foot wave is the same as far as performance and like leveling up. When you compare a, just an okay carve and a really crazy carve by John John or Julian or some of the guys that are the best at it, where they hold that rail. They get half their board cutting through the water. There's no spray flying off the nose because they're just so precise. Their style looks good. It's really rare. It's super hard to do. It's, in my opinion, so much harder to do than a backside snap, which goofies are known for. That backside surf, surfing, again, I love it. I think it's cool. It's an easy way to score in heats, but um, I mean, that's really, really hard to perform a, a 10 out of 10 type of carve. Yeah, I guess you're sort of limited with the turns that you can do on your backhand. But the thing that has been setting these guys up, guys and girls up for these huge, you know, turns is their bottom turn. You know, we saw Gabriel hold a bottom turn for like two, three seconds, just coming around a huge section. Same with Arkout, he's really attacking that bottom turn. And I think that's what's really uh, setting these guys apart when it comes up against, you know, Arkout beat Ethan Ewing, who I was penciled in as another quarter. But I guess it also goes back to, I wanna see a rippable big left on tour. You know, that's what was the beauty about Cloud Break where you did have the barrels, but you also had the potential to just go up and down. I would love to see John doing that. I'd love to see guys like Griffin and Jeremy really rip into those big backside turns because we don't get to see that that often. And then we could have a really good comparison. Yeah, that's a good call, Mick. And that brings us back a few episodes. We were talking about dream scenarios for locations for maybe that finals day. And I think we both were right away like, oh, Lakey Peak, because it's such a sick left and right. I'm with you on that. It'd be really cool to see these regular footers perform on our backside. 100%. Let's see it. Come on, WCL. Let's do it. When we return at a place like Margaret River, it's all about the equipment being ridden. But on tour, does a bigger quiver equal better results? We're going deep into it when we come back. 
All right, Mick, you know how important it is to know each surf spot, know where you're going. You have to bring the right boards. Um, when you were going to West Oz, knowing that you're going to markets where there's so much, uh, you know, a variety of waves, what did you bring other than the, the wine bottle opener? <laughs> yeah, I probably should have only taken that since I never did any good. Having the right equipment is a major factor at Margaret River. When it comes to Quiver on Tour, should surfers continually change it up or stick by what's tried and true? No, look, I sort of, I guess there was a, there's a few ways to look at it. We've, we've looked at um, different people coming and adapting new boards to new locations. And I don't think anyone's done this better than John John out at Mainbreak. Like that ghost that he's riding, that 6-2 ghost, he's taken that from uh, obviously home all the way over here. And when everyone first saw that, everyone's like, oh, I've got to have that exact board so I can do that type of surfing. And I think people found out quickly that that doesn't work. Uh, I've done that many times where I thought, oh, I have to go to Pipeline and I want to ride these short boards and do what these guys are doing. And it just didn't work. I felt like I was out in front of the tube or I just had too much volume. I couldn't control speed. And a place like Mainbreak as well, I tried the same. I tried to go short and thick and just couldn't sink the rail the way that I wanted to. So I went the other way. I just went, I'm going to keep it long and traditional and because I knew those type of boards. But, um, you know, we, we've have seen a group of guys that have done the short stuff. Obviously, John John's next level at it. Um, Griffin seems like he's riding a super small board, uh, similar type to that Pizel Ghost. But then I've really liked the the guys that are on the longer boards. I feel like the rail turns that they're doing has been extremely crisp. So guys like Jeremy Flores was on a 6.4, Arkow was on a 6.4. Um, Chipper Wilson, he was on a 6.6, a super thin 6.6. Uh, and even seeing someone like Jack Robber, who's notorious for riding short boards, he jumped up to a 6.4. So I think it's horses for courses, really. I think it's something that you have to go and put the time in. You can't just go, oh, John John does this, so I'm going to do that. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, it, And I think it's an important thing to sort of discuss because um, there's so much focus on what John John rides. There's so much focus on what Kelly Slater rides. Um, and you can't blame anyone because they're very interesting and they're some of the best in the world. We want to know why they're surfing so great. But like you said, Man, uh, you know, just because John John rides it, that doesn't mean maybe you should, because that that dude is doing some weird stuff on waves, um, and he's expecting different things out of his equipment. He really wants something sensitive where he can perform in a in a tight pocket on a twelve foot wave, which is not normal. You know, back in the day, especially in my day, it was something those those types of conditions were something you sort of survived. Um, and then Kelly Slater helped sort of open everyone's eyes to being more aggressive with equipment and the irons too. He, the way, the different lines that Andy uh, drew on a wave, it, uh, it demanded different boards. So these guys are, are like the pioneers and, and they're the ones pushing, you know, what we see in a surfboard. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Andy Irons. He was someone that would ride a longer board. Uh, he was someone that he, he was so strong and so aggressive that it didn't matter what he rode, he could just push through it and put it into places that uh, 
he people wouldn't expect. That was just his raw energy and his raw uh, aggression towards the wave. Kelly has had a few attempts at it where he's gone extra short and it's you know really shortened up his turns and just hasn't really worked that well and so he's gone back to the drawing board and come back again with a different style of uh, equipment one thing that i found really interesting that i felt like people were so blown away by was john was talking about his fins and how he goes down to a medium fin in bigger waves uh i thought that was just something that everyone would do uh i I remember when I was on tour, any time I got over a 6.1, I'd go from my large fin down to a medium fin because you've got that extra rail. Uh, any time that I had a large fin in a long board, it just felt like it just was too sticky. So that was a really interesting point that I felt people haven't really invested enough time into playing with equipment and stuff like that and uh, maybe get out there and do their own research on that side of thing. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it, Mick? And then um, I, I also wanted to go back to Andy Irons um, because, you know, here's someone who drew some super aggressive lines and big waves, um, you know, in the pocket, just uh, he would crash through sections. But as you mentioned, you know, especially the era where he was surfing um, all those years, boards were a bit longer, but they had more curve. They had more rocker. And now you have your ghosts and your John John boards that they, they sort of scrunch these boards down so that they're shorter, they can be sensitive, they can fit in a pocket, but it has that longer drawn out tail. I guess it goes back to the top of this uh, segment where um, you have to sort of be smart and, how, and own how you surf and what works for yourself. If you got to order one board to go and surf, six to eight foot waves, Ross, what would it be? Uh, I would probably order uh, a, a Eric Arakawa. I've been riding some of his boards the last uh, couple of winters. And, um, you know, Paisel, Takoro, there's so many talented shapers out here in Hawaii. We're pretty spoiled, but um, they're just timeless. They're classic. Um, and uh, you just, you, they're very reliable. How about yourself? Me, uh, my favorite board to ride in those sort of conditions. Like if I was going to surf that first day in Margaret River, I would have rode a 6.6. I would have had all the length I possibly could just to hold that rail. Well, Mick, speaking of 6.6, six, uh, I see a couple more swells on the horizon there for Margaret. So I guess we'll be tuning in to see what everyone rides down there. It's going to be exciting. There's uh, some big performances coming up. So I'm going to be glued to the screen, even though it is my least favorite wave on tour to watch. But <laughs> the action is going to be next level. So hope everyone out there tunes in and we'll have a good time. <laughs>